Hello, I'm Steve Clarkson and welcome to Look Closer, the found fiction podcast. If you'd said to me six months ago that we'd be starting a podcast series this summer, I'd have probably said something like, well, how are we going to fit that in? Because we had a super busy year planned and it was busy primarily with events. So a mixture of workshops and festivals where we were doing everything from helping people write poetry to hiring out some of our creative installations. And we were pretty much back to back with events from March right up until the end of August. And obviously all that was quite unavoidably cancelled due to the complete carnage of the COVID-19 pandemic. But I'm a big believer in things happening for you rather than to you, because in every challenge there's an opportunity, right? An opportunity to learn new skills, to deliver new types of events and connect with new people and new organisations. And that brings us to look closer, the Found Fiction podcast which is a new way that we're going to carry out our mission. And that mission is to empower people with the creative vision to find inspiration wherever they are. So as part of Look Closer, the main segment is a pre-recorded search for inspiration. And I mean that literally. Every edition, a special guest and I are going to go out into the wild on a creative adventure around a public space to find material that we can use to create stories, to create poems and to create songs. Because whether it's an old lady waiting alone at a bus stop, a couple of raindrops racing each other down a window, or a tree growing through a barbed wire fence, inspiration and stories are waiting to be found all around us. So as we're going out to find our inspiration out there in a public space, we'll discuss our creative processes, habits and learnings along the way, And eventually we'll end up with a bank of ideas captured from the real world, reminding us that ordinary places are fertile ground for creative ideas. Our first guest is spoken word performer and dance artist Izzy Britton, and we went on a journey around Woodhouse in Leeds to look closer for inspiration in her area. So do you want to tell us a bit about where we are today? Hello everyone. So here we are in Woodhouse in Leeds, not far from the university, we've got the beautiful ridge behind us, we're sort of sandwiched between Hyde Park, Meanwood and Chapel Town and the city's just in that direction. Um, yes, welcome, okay. welcome Let's to our backyard. Look. Is this somewhere that you write or is it just somewhere that do you live or do you kind of seek inspiration here or do you just kind of bury yourself in your room? <laughs> so I've lived here for about three and a half years and it's actually a really wonderful community and this little back alley, there's loads of lovely people and there's always lots of interesting stuff going on. Really just a diverse range of people, uh-huh. there's students and there's locals and there's, yeah, a bit of everything goes on around here so it's it's really nice it's a lovely and inspiring place to be the sort of communality that is promoted by having their backyards backing onto each other sure it's quite stimulating creatively. which has been amazing in the lockdown uh-huh. i bet actually yeah, yeah. Did, did you say people kind of came out of their houses and you've been chatting like, it was a dance thing that you shared yeah, so we did um, we did a little Easter dance to uh, like a prayer, 
Okay. Um, we, my housemate had been learning some voguing, so I don't know if you know what voguing is, but you know, all of this kind of stuff. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, that's my rubbish impression. <laughs> but yeah, it was here and there was all five of our housemates up here. Well, six actually, because we had a, a handover between old housemate and new housemate and they were both oh, here for two weeks. Wow. And we uh, performed our little dance up there in the street. Yeah, that's... it's on YouTube. So as we were walking down the back lane behind Izzy's house, it was immediately clear how social and friendly the neighbourhood was. Each person's backyard overlooked the next, and you could tell that that wasn't an invasion of privacy. Instead, it brought people together. This is something I saw a little earlier. I don't know if someone's been doing some DIY. <laughs> Just, yeah, there's something like poetic maybe about things that have been separated from a pair so hopefully that picks out just that there's one marigold there i mean you, sign you can, of the times you can easily yeah make that maybe a somewhat cliched symbol of, of someone separating from someone else yeah and the fact that it's used to, to sort of clean some sort of kind of cleansing thing as you do separate from someone else like there's sort of ways you could weave in a discarded marigold absolutely just one discarded marigold there's plenty of plenty of avenues you can go down yeah this is a park that kind of overlooks the city cityscape in the background the skyline um is that the parkinson building in headingley at the uni i can see and leeds's buildings are full of stories of their own really are they and this is a pretty I'm pretty sure you'd get a really good view out here like on an evening. I mean, do you come out here to to walk or to write? Or? Yeah, I actually come out here a lot. So it's really wonderful to have this, even though it's only small, this green space right at the end of my road, where I can come and just sort of feel above it, even though we're only, we're not so high here. It is kind of a high point get a bit of perspective so if my head's a bit fuzzy or I'm not feeling so clear or looking for a bit of space and inspiration I often feel yeah. sit here. It's really really lovely to see the cityscape at night with all the lights and um, there was actually a few weeks ago there was a beautiful big moon it was the full moon the strawberry moon a couple of weeks back um, and it was kind of yeah it was just huge hanging like a big globe over there and I sat out here for a couple of hours and looking across the city, there was lots of purple going on. So, oh, yeah, yeah pu purple as the colour of solidarity uh, right. with the George, death of George Floyd and the mm. Black Lives Matter yeah. movement. Um, so I saw quite a lot of purple lights up across the city in combination with this strawberry moon. It's pretty, pretty beautiful. and really got me thinking i listened to a few podcasts and um, mm -hmm. been doing a bit of educating myself recently yeah yeah which is also think, yeah. yeah yeah much, much needed yeah just walking past the park here i always find like play parks quite evocative as well like the fact that it's the same kind of colors that you remember when you were a kid like bright yellows and reds and greens and things this one's particularly bonkers They've yeah. just redone it recently. 
yeah, it looks pretty new. For quite a long time. Yeah. This it, in fact it still is, isn't it? The little sign. I mean, a playground where no one's playing, like all that energy that's not happening. I mean, the sort of giddy kids and hurried footsteps that you usually hear and see in a playground is kind of what makes it what it is. Places like that are, are defined by the energy that they're made for rather than just the structures there. It's, there's something quite kind of sad about a playground without any energy. Anyway, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's really interesting that during this time, so you can also sort of look at what's not there, but think about how much people have been inspired to sort of create their own fun and mm. inside, in their own homes, in the great indoors, or yeah. in green spaces and more wild spaces that they might not normally spend as much time in. So sort of using their environment in different ways and and interacting with that with that environment without sort of just in different mm. ways without mm. these structures actually mm. using their imaginations more really uh -huh. there's been a lot of that you're looking at these pillars yeah i was kind of looking at you know like when you see i'm not sure it's happening here but kind of is you know and like nature takes stuff back the cracks and you know you see you see what looks like quite a weak little twig breaking through bricks and stones that, that we couldn't you know stuff that we couldn't do with our own hands yeah. that trees are doing and it's like a symbol of i don't know resilience and you see this all the time in like old buildings where there's like actual trees kind of growing out of, of doorways from the inside to the outside like through you know multiple levels of stone and things and and then even like staining the concrete floor as well, like with the colours of the petals. And it's it's kind of like strength, isn't it? Strength of nature, which has been, of course, blossoming during this time. Not only did the pandemic somehow coordinate with spring, springing, yeah. and but all the birds singing. Um, but yeah, you've seen that with just like the behaviour of the animals even. More, more confident, more strutting around, you know. There's sometimes things in skips that people have discarded that is kind of write for different stories just about how little objects came to be forgotten or discarded and, and what part they could play in stories. Like, we won't sort of go digging through it, but let's just, I mean, there's, there's like mix, mixtures of like what would actually be trash, like bottles, cans and packaging and stuff. And then there's things that run together with other types of trash, insulation and cardboard and things that you could maybe use again. But I guess there's something like upheaval about objects that are thrown together, like during a house renovation and things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love a good a route through a good skip. <laughs> and like what walls see and, and what walls have you know, like people say, if walls could talk, you know, yeah. what would they say? Like, I mean, I'm not sure when these homes would have been built, but if you just see that this is like the end of their life, like this plasterboard, these window frames and things, and how much they would have seen in the life of different residents, you know, properties yeah. and things. 
and yeah, that's the thing. Just like people watching, you know, you can sort of house watch. <laughs> yeah. You can go fast and sort of take a look at people's yards and windows and what what people are up to in their outdoor spaces and see sort of these snapshots of, of what those what, what the walls have been and the different lives people are living. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Um, my housemate is actually a photographer and she's been doing oh, yeah. a pandemic portrait series. Uh -huh. So documenting for historic England the um, different different uh, snapshots of people's experiences throughout lockdown. So perhaps people with tiny babies that have not really met anybody else due to being in lockdown since, since birth um and groups of students and young people hanging out in paddling pools in their back gardens and people kind of taking ownership of their outdoor space in a different way and you kind of there's something really inspiring about that actually that people coming out and utilizing their outdoor space looking after their gardens growing things creating things and communicating with each other differently, yeah. Yeah, not just kind of coming home and drawing the curtains. And exactly, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, the few poems that I've written over lockdown have been writing tiny poems of the pandemic, um, and they have mainly been nature related, uh -huh. actually. Uh, I think that's been a big theme for me. And I wonder how could I have written those poems if I didn't have this yeah. this space here where I can sort of get in and feel like I'm in the wild sometimes. So what is your process for writing? Do you kind of take a notepad out with you or do you write on your phone like when so that when inspiration strikes you're ready to capture it? Or I write a lot of notes on my, on my phone. Yeah. Um, and I've recently got a new app where you can leave yourself voice notes as well. So I'm trying to remember that that exists uh, yeah, and yeah. start using it um, a bit more. Mm -hmm. And then it all tends to go into, get smashed into a chaotic notebook, um, which eventually at some point comes out as yeah. something. Um, and it can take anything from, you know, come out in one day to, yeah. lines that I wrote five or ten years ago yeah. coming back. There's something poetic about the characters that never quite make it. Yeah, yeah. I feel so guilty about characters I leave behind. Because when you're writing, these characters are really in charge of things. They call the shots on guiding the narrative when you're writing a story. But you know, not everything's destined to become something complete. And I always imagine that these characters are imprisoned in various Word documents on an old hard drive. And that kind of led Izzy and I to chat more about how we got into writing and what we're really in it for. So I really came back to the arts and creativity. When I was a little bit older, it was like full circle. I was into it all when I was a little kid, like most people are. And then a lot of the time you kind of get funneled into academia or think you have yeah. to you know 
forget this imaginary world. So it took me a while to come back to it. Uh, and yeah, so I'm a dance artist and spoken word artist. And I also teach yoga. So it's really a whole, yeah. a whole thing, three separate, three separate practices, but they all tie together in that the fundamental basis of it for me is that everyone is creative and that creativity should be for everyone. Um, living a creative and empowered life is our birthright as human beings, I believe. Um, so I really am passionate about access and inclusion. And I do a lot of work with older people and people with dementia and Parkinson's as well. And I'm sort of challenging structures in a way, I guess, um, challenging structures that position certain people as other and trying to bring, bring those threads back together, create community. Uh, I see my art forms as a way to resist and reimagine and also to sort of practice communality and collective care yeah. and joy. Sometimes when I've been running work workshops, you get kids who just start writing immediately um, and they don't need any prompting. Yeah. And then the parents are ones that kind of are like, oh, I'm not creative. I used to write, but I don't do it anymore. But then five minutes later, you've managed to encourage them to get creative as well. And sometimes they can be relearning that through their kids sometimes. At this point, we took a turn onto the Meanwood Valley Trail and we headed quite quickly from an urban environment to one that was owned by nature. And quite immediately, there were so many inspiring things that grabbed our attention. I actually find like trails quite inspiring. Like um, obviously you can see the main trail here, which you could think of as the main mainstream journey of your life but then there's like little ways that you could access other places like there's a hole in the hedge there there'll be other trails that are not as well trodden and that's all massively symbolic of, of the journey that we all take and that we don't know kind of literally what's around the corner at the end but we know we, it's quite a clear route to get there but it's obvious that there's other ways to get other places as well absolutely yeah uh, I always kind of, you know, it's it's kind of a go-to metaphor sometimes, like the fork in the road, but it's just impossible not to sort of think of characters not pursuing other routes when you see so many other ways that people have gone, like literally in the same area and how many ways there are to explore like your own life and things and what you could use that as a device in a story quite easily. I imagine a lot of people like me have been getting to know the green spaces near them in a to a different degree, a different level during this time. And yeah. there's been a lot of like that um, chalking the names of trees on the floor and stuff like that oh, going yeah. on. So it's kind of like a really lovely little bit of gentle, delicate activism in a way. Sort yeah. of helping people to get to know their environment more. So I don't, I don't know all the trees. But I'm slowly learning, and each one's got its own character, you know. 
Oh, wow, yeah. There's a bit of action there. <laughs> that hopefully. was action. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think they're trying to... One's chasing the other, man. Yeah, that was a high-speed chase. high-speed squirrel chase, we've just seen. I think, yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people have gotten very familiar and intimate with their neighbourhood because the one walk a day is something that we're not going to forget anytime soon. And obviously that was a massive relief when it was, when it was uh, lifted. But, you know, usually you'd do the same walk wouldn't you? or the same run or whatever. And, and it expands the senses, you know. Yeah, you it makes you engage with your surroundings. Little characteristics. Like, you'd usually think all trees look the same, but obviously you look look closer and you see, like, the bark splitting and what that might mean, like shedding a new skin. Like, the potential for renewal, even if you're, like, hundreds of years old in this case. Do you remember, do you remember like, a particular poem that you might have written specifically about something you came across in Nate. Hello. <laughs> um, I guess the ones that I've just recently written. Um, yeah, if this pandemic is a portal, let it bring us something other than an ample supply of toilet roll. <laughs> in this time of deep grief, lost breath, and the hunt for eggs. I want not more, but less. I should probably say at this point that I've been lucky enough to perform with Izzy and watch her on stage many times. And she's got such a range of demeanors. And sometimes she's really quiet, kind of speaking slowly in a way that grabs your attention. Other times it's super explosive and fiery. So much of what inspires the creative process is from that space between places. So the ability to play and meander um, rather than be sort of in a very utilitarian kind of way focused on getting from A to B. So I think there's a lot about the journey and Uh the opening of our senses like the elements as well yeah i I met someone recently um a guy who never he never owned a jacket he's never owned a jacket wow because he he like and he just gets soaking and he gets like wet through and cold all the time because but he says he he wants to feel the elements like there's something about like feeling bitterly cold but you're on a different level of consciousness when you're cold and you might be sensing different emotions and it might actually draw more creative material out of you if you're slightly uncomfortable with the temperature because you're feeling the elements more obviously there's a limit to that surely but I found that because obviously it's not the best day here we've been lucky so far but I was kind of thinking that we were obviously doing this kind of come what may and I wonder what the elements kind of teach us really because I think like if there's a a cold breeze then you might start to think about yeah resilience and battling through something or like getting pushed along a certain route with a bit of help yeah from nature you know mm. whereas if it was a completely still day and the sun was scorching then that thought might not even enter your head if you're out trying to get inspired yeah you know what I mean? yeah sure i went for a run 
last week in the pouring down rain and got absolutely drenched and I just felt absolutely elated for a good portion of it until yeah. I started to get really cold <laughs> yeah it's like, but it was that thing of like being out out in the elements yeah. and you know mud squishing between your toes because it's actually steeped right into your trainers <laughs> and your hair slapping against your face totally drenched you know it really took me back and that's the other thing is you know places and your surroundings also evoke memories yeah. so in that in that instance it really took me back to sort of school days cross country or places yeah, i've been before where exactly. i've been caught in a big storm you know you remember the elements don't you yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like hang on i've just noticed this structure here so it's i'm not sure what its function is it's it just instantly reminded me of like the old school tents in, in like cubs and scouts and yeah. stuff and i went for a few years and that little like shapes that you see that trigger memories like that i mean instantly i can remember being sort of cooped up with people i barely knew and being quite homesick and stuff just because of the shape of that of that thing there another uh, experience some people have been yeah, having lately we were actually walking this way um, the weekend. It was like an unexplained bit of material hanging out of one of these windows. Uh-huh. I think it was just a quilt or something. Like someone had got caught and thrown the quilt kind of halfway out of the window, but it looked pretty weird. And we were sat, stood here debating for a while, you know, what, what it was yeah. and kind of making up sinister sinister yeah. tales in our head huh. about what was wrapped in the, the mystery the mystery of it yeah yeah definitely yeah you, you, you don't always know the answers do you and sometimes like you can let your imagination run wild and like spook yourself out i just wonder what that damp it's kind of in the shape of a tree or something it kind of looks like a shadow of something that's not there like something that's left a mark that's no longer there like a lot of things you can imagine leaving a legacy that are no longer around that's kind of that seems quite symbolic of that like the shadow remains but the thing that caused it has disappeared there's quite a lot of graffiti up on the other side of the ridge uh-huh. which has been an interesting kind of social commentary <laughs> to observe over okay. the last few months as well different things you know different themes some stuff around there were a few that popped up that was confinement is a breeding ground for domestic violence there was a few there's been various bits of kind of stuff going on there which has really made me think we're always thinking right about how this time is yeah affecting people differently because it really is everyone's circumstances are so different um, and speaking to less people and coming across less people there's something about having those like messages yeah. left there on the walls or the signs for like the mutual aid groups and stuff got me thinking about some of the characters that I've seen around these streets yeah. going in and out of the shops and sort yeah. of Can imagine, yeah. wondering what their lives are like uh-huh. and how they're experiencing Just- this time 
People another just, long glove. Is that another glove? Yeah. I hope it is. It is. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, that that's quite a nice, like, complimentary find. Like, mm-hmm. if you remember the gold marigold, mm-hmm. yellow marigold that we saw earlier, like... Yeah, we're coming but, down towards the road now. Well, I, I often think, like, even when you hear the birds, like, you know, that, that sounds peaceful to us, like, that's like epitomise of peace, but it's probably like chaos up there, you know, people, sort of, <laughs> that's the equivalent of people, like, I don't know, bartering over things, like arguments, and just yeah, people calling each other, like, it's all conversations, people, birds trying to shout over each other, but we think it sounds lovely, but to them it's probably like, like, a shut the hell up, you know. <laughs> well, apparently our ear is, a, the human ear is attuned to bird song. Oh, right. Uh, so I learned, yeah, so the, the frequency, I mean, I, I'm no, um, I don't know the correct terms, but the, the frequency, I think. No, I, I, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, because it represents an area that's a good habitat for, hu- for humans if there's lots of bird song. Oh. So as I've started to hear the bird song more, I've been wondering and questioning okay. are the birds singing more or is it because there's like noise pollution? So yeah. And or is it because my ear is simply more attuned to it because it's not, um, my attention's not flitting all over the place like it, it uh-huh. might be in a more usual time. I think it's true that lockdowns led us to pause and reflect in a way that we just weren't able to previously. If we'd been walking through these woods before, we'd have probably been on our way to something. But instead, it just feels completely natural even energising just to wander around and take in our surroundings without that fear of missing out on something. So what are you working on at the moment anyway, creatively? So I'm still, I've still got the witchy project bubbling away in the background, which is solo exploring the witch archetype um, and merging dance and spoken word. So I'm sort of partway through research and development for that. I'm doing a lot of uh, dance work with older people, people with Parkinson's and dementia, looking at reimagining programs and projects in light of the current situation. So post-COVID reimagining, there's a lot of that going on in those existing projects. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm also really feeling called to write about what is happening right now. There's a lot happening, you know, so yeah, yeah, and it's a lot to process. So here is um. I don't really know what this is in terms of where this water actually comes from or what. It's a very certain route, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I see a lot of yeah, a lot of nature reclaiming the walls back there. Just came around the corner. I just often wonder why is there always a traffic cone? Always. Always. Who is it that like? Why do people feel the need to pick up traffic cones and throw them yeah. in bits of water? Lord Whitney, Prince of Thieves. I love funny business names. Uh, and again, there's a note. For people to ring the buzzer there. Lord Whitney. Yeah, like a lord in in a in an 
Dandan's industrial building, that's like kind of a, an image that's coming to my head, like a lord that finds himself not in a palace but in an industrial estate. <laughs> in, but maybe not even one like this. Maybe like one, a more modern kind of industrial estate that's there. And this is like again just where someone sits to have a cigarette. I think, but you just know that people have just had the best breaks there you know what I mean <laughs> where you just like really had kind of a, a bad day and that chair is just you know solace for someone and just the uh, painting I think it is that's a cigarette ashtray so you just know that that's like someone's sort of comfortable space like on a regular basis it's that kind of material that you get on bus seats isn't it yeah you know like when you scratch it it has a certain sound. yeah the stuff that all bus seats yeah seems to be the pattern that all bus seats are made from and like i feel like caps like flat caps as well maybe yeah. but yeah that's definitely like you can imagine a character i can imagine someone sat there like right now and you can imagine them the sense of relief that they feel when they sit down and just exhale yeah and then they have to go back in and who knows what they do in there this is just yeah warehouses unit, I believe. Two. unit two yeah and they just kind of sit there then they go back in then they come back out then they go back in and the, the regularity of that for this person as i said as i mentioned just do this yourself and just make a note of everything you spot because nothing nothing happens by accident you know we were supposed to kind of come and observe this and we're supposed to create from what we see we're creative thinkers everyone everyone listening watching to this is a creative thinker and yeah we don't stumble upon things by accident we're supposed to use it somehow so uh, i should maybe have filmed the approach yeah. to this but this is like a doorway and i still yeah it's a doorway in a building that's been that's been destroyed uh for some reason with bricked up windows and a hole in the door and you come round and yeah this is a just an abandoned space but there's these lovely white flowers i'm not sure what they're called do you I'm not but like it's kind of like nature's doing all the work in making this bit making this particular space in saving anything about it really but yeah you can kind of as i was saying if these walls could talk and probably say it was a lot better than this at some point <laughs> or yeah maybe they have never had it better who knows but they Whoa. used to be dogs here so that's why i'm a bit scared so i remember uh, walking past here and getting um jumped out on and i don't know if someone actually still lives there even though it looks completely abandoned no shall we they don't so you you remember no, feeling scared yeah sort of yeah because there was a big dog and it just ran out up there um and there's cameras you see the lights and cameras and the fact that there's there's gates are so high it's just it was a big bomb yeah, I think I used to imagine that there was somebody who lived here who was like quite an eccentric character, maybe a bit of a loner. Yeah. Perhaps a little paranoid with all the cameras and things. Someone who kind of refused to move, even mm. as all this wildness 
kind of developed around them and uh-huh. nature took back its space. Um, and they'd maybe portrait. become a bit isolated here in this in this building. Um, As the landscape changed yeah. around them from something that's certainly no longer yeah. suburban or whatever it was. But I don't think that there can't be anyone there now that's definitely barred up that bit. But I'm sure there was Always a time. There. This is the thing. This is the thing. It's like when you're a kid and there's always, um, you know, some a kind dark of house. Yeah, there's always that one off. place, isn't there? There's like, there's like, there's a local myth anywhere, isn't there? Exactly. Like, local myth. There's always like a house. Local characters. And it's, you know, before the, we sort of let yeah. our imaginations and those are, here, you know. And those are great go-to for a story as well because like everyone you know everyone watching and listening and and anyone ever would have an equivalent of that place where it's like a a sort of abandoned place no one quite knows why and it's got a bit of mystery in it and no one's sure if anyone's still there because there might be because someone saw something once or someone saw a car out there once so this is onto a yeah another pleasant sort of grassy bit now now that we've crossed the road and moving away from the industrial estate this is such a good practice i feel like maybe you know we should be doing that we should all be doing this yeah i more couldn't, often couldn't agree more it, <laughs> it just takes a bit of bit of living in the present doesn't it i mean yeah. i know people say that a lot but when you're actually here watching and certainly when we're here filming recording like we are just in the zone and we're just nothing but where we're walking and what we're thinking so just before we wrap up our first edition of look closer the found fiction podcast i've got a few events to tell you about the first one is called street stories and that's a street literature project which celebrates quarry hill voices past present and future as part of street stories I'm coordinating a team of Leeds writers who are each going to be writing super short micro stories that are going to be displayed guerrilla style in public places, abandoned areas and prominent venues across Quarry Hill. The stories are going to take the form of vinyl stickers, wraparound banners, even chalk paint murals among other forms and they're going to aim to be inspiring and reflective and attention grabbing for passers-by. So we're super excited about that. We're just creating the content at the moment and this whole project is being funded by Leeds City College Arts Fund um, and we're super grateful for them for the support that they're giving us as creative practitioners in the current time. The second event we really need to tell you about is It's Proper Art. So you might remember this from December last year when we transformed Leeds City Centre into an art gallery by writing faux art gallery descriptions of real places across town and displaying them on huge billboards in these public places. Essentially we're doing this again but this time in London uh, which is super exciting. It's due to go live in October as part of Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. Alongside these two events we're delivering a lot of virtual workshops including for York Festival of Ideas, uh, Bruntwood and the Old Bank Residency in Manchester. So expect to see us cropping up on Zoom for the foreseeable future. And that's about it for this first edition of Look Closer, the found fiction podcast. 
To find out more about what we do, visit foundfiction.org or find us on social media. That's about all we've got time for today. Thank you again to our special guest, Izzy Britton, and thank you for listening. See you next time on Look Closer, the Found Fiction podcast. <laughs>